Well, greetings, New Hope Church. Happy New Year to everybody. Can you believe that today is the last day of 2023? Like, who is, who is shocked by this, right? I, I am overwhelmed by this. I can't believe this. And by the way, if you hadn't figured this out, it's one, two, three, one, two, three. It's like the only day in maybe, I don't know, a millennium or something is going to be like that. Uh, this is so great. It's great to connect with you here this morning. Uh, I am so delighted to be with you. My name is Matthew. For those of you who might be guests with us that I don't have the chance to know, and uh, on behalf of uh, our whole family here at New Hope Church, just want to say welcome to you. And if you are a guest, uh, a couple things for you. Uh, one is we have a welcome state, uh, center right outside these doors here, and some folks that would love to answer any questions you might have about New Hope Church, love to encourage you in any way. Also, uh, just want to let you know, next week, uh, as we are stepping into some of our more normal rhythms, uh, we have between our worship gatherings a guest reception for those who are new, and uh, it's an opportunity to visit personally, to meet with uh, a couple of our elders and others. I just want to welcome you and answer any questions you might have, so just be mindful of that. Hey, if you're watching, if you're joining us as part of our online community, welcome to New Hope Church here in Minneapolis. Uh, it's so great to connect with you. And let me tell you, friends, uh, this is an incredibly important ministry opportunity uh, through our online engagement. We have a number of people uh, from all over the area and well beyond that uh, participate in worship of Jesus Christ through our online uh, opportunity. And I just want to say uh, we love you and we care for you guys, and it's really great to interact with you as we have opportunity to do so. And uh, also, just so you know, there's a space right here for you. Uh, at New Hope Church uh, whenever you have the opportunity to come. It's great to be with you guys. What a blessing it is to connect with you today. Hey, have you seen that commercial? It is really popular right now. So the camera zooms into a kitchen and there on the stove top is this skillet and the skillet is on fire. There's a fire burning on the stove top. But a well-prepared homeowner reaches over and grabs a, a specially made uh, blanket and pulls it out of this little uh, container and deftly opens it up and lays it on top of the fire and the fire goes out immediately. Have you seen this? Any of you seen this commercial? Yeah, a number of you have. All right, others of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about, Matthew. But, but now you do. Now you do. All right. How many of you got that for Christmas? Any of you? <laughs> That's great. That's probably good, actually. Um, all right, so nonetheless, here's the deal. It puts that fire out immediately. And you know, there are scars and there are chars, uh, but the threat is gone. The fire is gone. And what I want you to hear from me right now, and for us to process for these next few minutes, is this is very much like the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. With him and his shed blood, that covering that falls upon the fire of our rebellion and smothers it out immediately. Scars and chars might remain, but the threat is gone because in Christ we are saved. Did you hear that, church? Yeah. Believe that? Do you believe that? Absolutely, it is so true. And you know, this is a message. This is a conversation that we need to have uh, every single day 
as followers of Jesus. We need to be a people that pause and reflect on this reality that Jesus Christ has that kind of power to uh, drive away the threats, to smother the, the burning flames of sin and shame, and to set us free. We need to think about this every single day. We need to, as it were, preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. I know I do. I have to sit in this and remind myself of so great a salvation through my Lord Jesus Christ. And on this last day of 2023, and with tomorrow being the first day of 2024, to pause and reflect uh, matters and to put ourselves in a rhythm where daily we pause and reflect, that matters, it matters. You might ask, well, pastor, why should it matter so much? Well, here's just a few things that come readily to my mind. One is, one is my tendency to discount the overwhelming power of Jesus Christ. Because I'm distracted, because I'm tired, because I'm bored, because I'm consumed with no end of, of uh, other seemingly important things, and I forget, I take for granted. You know the old adage, familiarity breeds what? Contempt, that's exactly right, Leroy, breeds contempt. And it is too easy for us to start taking him for granted. Another reason that I need to reflect on this, and so do you, is the evil one wants to come and lie. He wants to lie to you. He wants to lie to me. He wants to tell us all the reasons why we can't count on God. We can't trust him. The very first things out of his mouth, as we see recorded in Genesis chapter 3, is him questioning the integrity and character of God. Questioning the things that God has promised, the things that God has said. And he has continued that tactic for aeons. And he does it today with you and with me, challenging us, challenging me. Oh, oh, you think, you think God cares about you? You think God sees you? You think he loves you? You're a louse to him. I mean, these are the lies that, that uh, I can too easily have playing through my mind. Here's some other lies. Some other lies are that, that well, for me to, uh, uh, to, to, for, for me to have any hope, for me to have salvation, I have to work for it. I have to earn it. I have to work to appease this seemingly angry God. Any of you ever feel that way? All right? And that, that is a lie that is deeply rooted in our thinking as people, particularly in the Western cultures of our world where we are so much about pull ourselves up from our bootstraps and work hard and have a stiff spine and all this kind of thing, right? And, and another lie is, well, maybe sin isn't that big of a deal after all. Maybe it's just much ado about nothing, right? And so we downplay it. We dismiss it. I, I justify all day long the things I think about, the things I say, the things I do, uh, the things that fall short of bringing glory to God, I justify those things as if somehow I'm entitled to my own opinion and my own way of doing things. And maybe sin isn't that big of a deal. Maybe it's not like we make it out to be. All right, these are lies. Here's another lie. Maybe despite my forgiveness, 
that I have received because of the work of Christ, I am forevermore defined by my sin, and I can't escape. It's almost like this scarlet letter that, that just remains uh, emblazoned on my chest. Sinner. And despite the fact that I might beg for forgiveness and believe even that through Christ I could be forgiven, I wander around with this worm theology of woe is me. I am always a sinner. And I will forever be defined by such. And, and here's the thing, friends, listen to me. It is important for us to say, well, wait a minute. Is there not a corrective against these lies that God might bring to bear in his love letter called the Bible? And I would say to you, absolutely. And it is worth reflecting on these things every day and certainly today. And one of those great correctives is found beautifully and simply penned by Israel's warrior poet, David, King David, in Psalm 32. Psalm 32. In fact, here's the first verse, and that's where my attention is. Psalm 32, verse 1. Look at this with me. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. In fact, would you can we just read that together? Let's church, let's read this together. Ready? And let's read it with our, our good outdoor voice. Ready? Okay. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. That's very good. Good for you. And, and you know what? It's, it's beautifully written and beautifully said. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is whose sin is covered. Now, when I look at these uh, words here, uh, three, three observations are easily made, at least from where I'm standing. Three observations are easily made. I want to process uh, some of those with you. Uh, here's, here's the first one. The, the first observation uh, relates to offense or offense, however you want to pronounce it. Offense, really, is the idea of we have offended God. Uh, the, the first observation I want to make relates to an offense. We have offended God. Uh, the, the text tells us something about transgression and about sin. And this is against God. Make no mistake about it. It might be against someone else because of the way you've carried yourself, the way you've uh, presented yourself. I understand that. But at the end of the day, what we are are rebels against a loving and caring God. What we are are rebels against the most high God of heaven and earth. And, and David understood this. That warrior poet David understood this. In fact, uh, just a few verses later, verse 5, he, he offers this. I acknowledge my sin to you. This, he's talking to God. I did not cover up my iniquity. By the way, that's a great example for you and me of confession and repentance. I acknowledge that God, I'm not covering it up. I'm not hiding anything from you. Uh, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave my iniquity, or the iniquity of my sin. I will confess my transgressions to whom? To the Lord. It's to the Lord that, that ultimately we are accountable. The offense is to the Lord. But, but what exactly is the offense? Well, verse 1 helps us understand this, and, and it uses two, two words of offense, one is the word transgression, all right? We see the word transgression there in verse one. And uh, when, when we see that word, we wonder, well, what exactly does transgression mean? 
And what transgression means is when you cross a line. You, you cross the line. Uh, it, it's the idea of invading territory. Stepping into a space that you're not supposed to be in. Think of it as, as going somewhere you're not supposed to go. Okay? And, and so this is what a transgression is. And so, so when I sin, uh, when, I, when I rebel, when I offend God by way of a transgression, it is I am moving into a space, a territory, a pattern, a decision point that I'm, I'm not supposed to be in. But I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. Right? This is a transgression. Well, then we have uh, the word there, a very simple word that's the most common word for the offense, and that's the word sin. What is that? Well, in the ancient language, it is the idea of missing the mark. If a transgression is stepping where you're not supposed to be, sin is falling short of something. It is missing a mark. Is is you're aiming at this thing, you're supposed to be aiming at it, but you're just not able to get there. You fall short. You miss the mark. And and this is what the offense is against God. God lays out his best purposes for our lives. And what we choose to do is step into a different direction and go where we're not supposed to go. And God lays forth his best purposes for our lives. And, and try as we might to reach for it, we fall short because, well, because we're broken and messy people. You know, um, if, uh, if you and I were to step out here to the parking lot by that brand new bridge, right? And hey, how many are thankful for the new bridge, right? Isn't that great? It is awesome. It is so nice. All right, so uh, when we step out there, now a transgression is if you and I decide, let's go play uh, in the middle of Interstate 169. Let's go play in the traffic right now right? That's a transgression. We are stepping into a space that we're not supposed to be in. It's dangerous. It's going to hurt. A a sin is if you and I stand out there in the parking lot and uh, we take a football in our hands and we we look across the way there at the Taco Bell, all right? We see the Taco Bell sign across 169 and, and we decide, you know what, we're going to take this football and we're going to throw it and we're going to hit that Taco Bell sign and you're going to throw it a whole lot farther than me. I don't doubt that for a moment. Uh, and I'll make it go at it as well, but neither of us are going to hit it, right? And that's sin. That's, that's falling short. God's glory, his holiness, that's not only the space we need to stay in, but it is the mark that we need to reach for. But what happens is we choose to not stay in that space and step elsewhere. And even if we try to reach for it in our own power and strength, what? We fall short. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, he's very clear. He says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All right? What we do, we play in the traffic, and uh, we throw things that don't land where they're supposed to be. That's offense against a God who's holy and just and righteous and good and pure, and he knows what's best for us, and he lays out what's best for us, and he invites us to what's best for us. And we go in a different direction, and we fall short of it. 
time and time again. Now, so that's one observation I make when I look at verse 1 of, of uh, Psalm 32, but there's another observation I make when I look at verse 1, um, and uh, uh, it, it, it is this idea that uh, God responds to us and helps us. He responds and He helps us. And, and so, so uh, He responds to the offense. He reacts to it. As a matter of fact, the verbs uh, that are in verse 1 of Psalm 32, they have a passive quality about them. In the grammar, they have a passive quality about them. And what that means is that, that um, we, you and I, are the recipients of another person's action. All right, so when it says that our, our transgressions are forgiven and our sins are covered, that's a passive verbal quality. And it means that we are receiving the action of someone else who is doing the forgiving and doing the covering. Well, who's the someone else? Well, of course, it's the Lord God of heaven and earth. It's certainly not you and me because uh, you and I because what you and I do is we fall short and we step into spaces we're not supposed to be in. We walk away from God's best purposes. But he loves us so much, as a matter of fact, Romans uh, chapter five, verse eight, uh, I love this, uh, it puts it this way, God demonstrates or shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? Christ died for us. He's the one that's the prime mover. He's the one that's doing the action. And what does this look like? Well, we look no further than Jesus. Let's just say that name. Can we just say that name right now? Jesus. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Jesus, Jesus, sweet Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, sweet Jesus. Like the fragrance after the rain. You know what? Years ago, I sang that at a, uh, at a nursing home I happened to be at a long time ago. I was speaking, doing a devotional one afternoon at a nursing home, and in the middle of my devotional, I just, I just burst into song and started singing that. This 90-year-old lady on the back row leaned over to her sister and said, Mary, he's off key, really loud. It was the funniest thing. And, uh, and I probably was off key just now too, but, but Jesus, right? Jesus is the answer. He's the one who acted on our behalf acted for us. His death and his resurrection means that sin and shame no longer have the final word in our lives. He is the one that has done the work. He has moved by laying down his life so as to pay for the penalty, the fullest penalty of our sin, and then he rose from the dead so you and I can have life eternal. And by so doing these things, our sins may be covered and our transgressions may be forgiven. And the language of forgiving and covering uh, go along these lines. 
Uh, to, to forgive means to, to take something off of something, all right? So it is God taking the weight of our sin off of us, all right? That is, he is releasing or relieving, rather, that burden from us. That's to forgive. To cover means that he is putting something on us that obliterates the mess, so it's no longer evident. Did you hear that last phrase? So it is no longer evident. The blanket goes over the fire and immediately it's out. And there might be scars and chars, but the threat is gone, right? It's gone. It's gone, church. Okay, praise God for this. Praise God for this. Now, there's a third observation that I make when I look at Psalm 32, verse 1. And that observation relates to the very first word, blessed. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed. Now, what does this word blessed mean? It's an interjection here. It's, it's uh, uh, think of it as a great exclamation. Uh, David is like, blessed, he can't help himself. Blessed are those. And, and uh, what it means literally is uh, that, that blessed are those who, who have within them uh, this pure, unadulterated, holy happiness. That's what it implies. Pure, unadulterated, holy happiness. Isn't that great? Happiness. Now, I don't mean happiness like in the slapstick comedy kind of thing. I'm talking about this, this deep joy, abundant joy, right? And, and you might be uncomfortable with this because of the way we think about it in our culture, but there is within this a hint of prosperity. Now, don't think prosperity in terms of like money from heaven, right? That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the possibility of human flourishing, that as image bearers, we just, we thrive, right, as people, that we have joy, that we are carried along by the power of a loving God, that yes, days can be hard, but we face them with courage and conviction and hope and belief that God has got us and he carries us and so forth, right? That's all of that sentiment, all of that posture is, is woven into the fabric of the word blessed, unadulterated, deep joy. Happiness, prosperity, flourishing. Now, a question for you and a question for me might be, well, what are some ways that we do experience that blessing? And by the way, it is in the plural, so it's not just blessing singular. It's blessed, think of it as blessing upon blessing. It's an intensified word. It has, it has a, a plurality to it, many blessings, manifold blessings. What, what might some of those be? Well, well uh, as we begin to wrap up here, I want to share with you three of them, all right? There are many. I would love, if you had others, I would love to hear those. But let me share with you three blessings 
that um, come to me and are learnings, as it were, as I spend time at least in Psalm 32. So uh, here's, here's one. All right, and you'll see it right here. You ready? Here we go. The accuser, listen, church, this is important. The accuser, Satan, has nothing on you because of the work of Christ. Amen? Satan has nothing on you. Nothing on you. Because of the work of Jesus, it's like, it's like, it's like Jesus takes that, that big uh, fancy rug upon which Satan stands in such kingly fashion and he grabs the corner of that rug and just pulls it right out from under him and Satan topples over. He has nothing on you. But you know what? He is an accuser. Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 says that Satan, the devil, is, quote, the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of brothers and sisters in Christ. He doesn't, I mean, he might accuse those who are not in Christ and mess with them, as it were, but it seems like he puts extra attention on coming along and harassing all of us who are in Christ, those of us who follow Jesus, trying to dissuade us in our uh, following of Jesus. He's an accuser. Oh, yeah, you think, you think this Jesus would love you? Look at you. I know what you did. Do you ever hear that deep down in your soul? You think God cares about you? If you only knew the gossip up in the heavenly abode about you, the things you think, the things you do, you're lousy. You're a sinner. I mean, these are, these, this, is, this is what the enemy's constantly doing, right? Listen, I'm just going to assume that that's your story. I guarantee you it's my story. Regularly hearing these lies from this accuser. It's something he's a master of. But because of the work of Christ, he's got nothing on you. And you know what else? The rest of Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 says that because of the power and the authority and the triumph of Jesus Christ, that accuser will literally be, quote, thrown down. He is nothing. He is going to be destroyed by the Most High God. Jesus Christ has conquered him already, and he's fighting mad because he knows his days are numbered. But please understand here that because of the uh, forgiving and covering work of Jesus, Satan's got nothing on you. And when he comes along and wants to accuse you and tell you all the ways that you, you're such a disappointment to God. You're such a disappointment to your friends. You're such a, you know when he does all that? Just tell him to get lost. Leave me alone. I'm covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. You leave me alone. I'm covered in his blood. My Christ, my Savior, he reigns supreme. He defeated you. You leave me alone. You have no authority here. And you just wag your finger at him and send him on the way. And be bold. Don't hesitate. Don't, oh, I can't do that. Yes, you can. If you're washing the blood of Jesus Christ, if your sins have been forgiven and, and covered Oh my goodness, remember, Jesus didn't just crawl out of that tomb. He walked out of that tomb triumphant, right? He is victorious. And so you get to tell Satan to bug off. That's a great theological phrase, bug off, all right? Now, a second, uh, a second learning, as it were, about blessings here. here here's another one. You'll, you'll see it right here. In Christ, 
Our penalty for sin, though deserved, is fully and completely pardoned. Now, we've, we've echoed this already a little bit, but I want to underscore it more fully. We are completely pardoned, friends. Completely. Completely. There's no halfway here. There's no gradient, and somehow you're in the middle of the gray area. Not with Jesus. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, he says, the wages of sin is death. And we easily and understandably stop there, but that's not the whole verse, is it? It goes on and it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? All right? And, and so oh, when, when, when we consider Psalm 32 verse 1, blessed, deep, and unadulterated joy for those whose transgressions are forgiven and sins are covered, the reason that we are blessed and have unadulterated joy and flourishing and prosperity is indeed because we have eternal life in and through the work of Jesus Christ. He's done the work. And he is awesome and good and glorious and powerful. And nothing can interfere with his work. Oh, the Lord says to us in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1, we read these words. The Lord says, come now, let us, let us reason together here. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Isn't that great? Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. You know, these past few days, we've had a brown Christmas, haven't we? I mean, my goodness, I came over here Christmas Eve for our Christmas Eve gatherings. I had my sunroof open. This is Minneapolis in December. I didn't wear a jacket most of the week. And now I woke up this morning and I looked out the window and I was like, snow. Wow. Back to normal for a day or so. And look how clean and pure it is. And that's, that's what this verse is telling us. Yeah, your soul might look oh bloodied and red because of sin, scarlet, as it says. But when I do my work, it's now white as snow, white as wool, pure. Look, in fact, it goes on further. Though, though your sins are red like crimson, they shall become like wool, soft, pure. Isn't that great? That's the work of Jesus. That's the work of Jesus in your life and in my life. This is what God does. This is what God has done. And listen to me, friends. If, uh, if the devil is defeated, he doesn't have the final word in your life. You know that? And because we are completely pardoned by God, forgiven, covered, what was scarlet, now white, all right? Because we are completely covered, completely forgiven, completely pardoned, our sin, our shame, 
None of that has the final word. None of it. And you know what? We are alive forevermore. Do you hear me, church? We're alive forevermore. Death doesn't have the final word either. And that's the beauty of what Christ has done. And all of this is embodied, is represented that in, in that very first verse of Psalm 32. Now, now, the Apostle Paul, he reminds us of this in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None at all. None at all. Listen, friend. Listen to me. Do you believe that? Now, I'm asking you as a follower of Jesus, I'm going to assume most of you listening to my voice are followers of Jesus. By the way, just last weekend uh, in our, our worship gatherings, Christmas Eve, somebody came to know Christ. And, and I mean, this is so God. Yes, praise the Lord. I mean, this is great. We, we see people come to know Christ. They, they don't know him. They call on him. They come to know him. We see this almost weekly. And we're so grateful. And that's just in our worship gatherings, not to mention in many other uh, connection points that our church family has with people that call on Jesus. But I'm betting that many of you listening to my voice today already know Jesus, and yet, and yet, we somehow doubt that we're completely pardoned. We're convinced that, yeah, Jesus did this work, and, and it's maybe been applied to me. But I'm sure he's still disappointed with me. And when we think that way, we take that full pardoning and we mock it. We're not really fully trusting that he's all in with us. But friend, listen to me. He's all in with you. And in Christ, you are fully and completely pardoned. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Now, a third uh, and maybe final uh, blessing that I want to focus on here is this. It's very simple. You are free. Can we just say that together? You are free. Say it ready. ready. You are free. In fact, why can you just look at your neighbor right now and say, you're free. In Christ, you're free right now. Yeah, you're free. This is amazing. We're free. We're liberated. We are a people. I love this. I love this. We are a people with a sacred purpose liberated from our sin and our shame. It's a glorious gift that God has provided for us. It's a wonderful gift that God has provided. In fact, uh, listen to these words also from the Apostle Paul. Uh, from Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. Look at this, all right? I love this. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Isn't that great? Stand firm, therefore. That's one of those calls to just wag your finger at the devil and tell him to bug off, all right? Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't go, look, if you're free and you are free in Christ, why wander back into 169 and play in the traffic? Don't do that. You don't need to. You're free now. You don't need to go do that. All you do there is get in trouble. You get hurt. Others might get hurt. 
But look here. In freedom, for freedom Christ has set us free. Verse 13, you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. By the way, uh, if we may, something I want to say about freedom here. Uh, This freedom is not about being a good American. I'm grateful for my freedom as a citizen of the United States. that's well and good. Praise God. If, and I, but I, I hear people, and I, I used to do this. I'm telling you straight up. At, at a church I used to pastor many years ago, I created these T-shirts for, uh, for July 4th. And I quoted on, on the T-shirt, it said, Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. As if Christ uh, set me free so I can be a good American. Friends, if we want to limit Galatians 5.1 to that, we are grossly diminishing the broad and eternal scope of a transformative and saving God, all right? No, 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 let's not settle. When we're talking for freedom, Christ has set you free. It is to unleash your being as a kingdom citizen, kingdom of God citizen. It is to unleash you to flourish as an image bearer, washed in the blood of Jesus. And as the text tells us then, so we can go on and to love people wonderfully, beautifully, strongly. That is the opportunity that we have, is to love people deeply, to step out, as it were, as liberated people to step out as people who are true and real and good and beautiful to bless the world around us. Now that's when when David's talking about blessed, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. These are the things he's got in mind that we can flourish as the redeemed and take the love of this redeemer to the world around us and do so with confidence and joy and peace and goodwill. Now, you know what I'd like to do right now? Uh, There's a little notation at the very top of Psalm 32. If you looked in your Bible, you might see it. It says it's called a maskil. And uh, what this is, uh, a maskil is a, is a, um, uh, it, it is a Hebrew word that means contemplative poetry. Contemplative poetry. It invites reflection. So what I want to do here for a moment is invite you to just quietly reflect with me. Quietly reflect with me. Here we are, last day of the year. Tomorrow is the first day of a new year. Great opportunity to reflect. I want you to reflect with me on what what he has done for you, what Christ has done. If there's something you need to lay before him and just clear the air, do it. Listen to me, friends. There's nothing, because of the work of Christ, there's nothing that needs to be between you and God. And if you think there is this morning, lay it before him and say, here, I confess this to you, take it. Take it. And help me to bask in the cleanliness of being your daughter, of being your son. 
let's just be quiet for a few moments, okay? Here we are. Would you guys stand with me right now, please? If you're able to, just stand with me. Lord, here we are. The last day of 2023. Tomorrow's a brand new day. Would you help me? Would you help us? to walk into this new year with our heads high, our spines straight, our hands open, our feet steady. Let the lies of the evil one fall to the side. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Scars and chars we may have, but the thread is gone, the fire is out, and we are free to flourish. And this year, that's exactly what we're gonna do, God, because you are powerful and good, and I'm trusting you, we're trusting you. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for all he's done. We love you. And all God's people said, amen.